Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. We rejoice to talk today in our Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast with Dr. Gloria White Hammond. Dr. Gloria is a medical doctor and she's also co-pastor of the Bethel AME Church in Boston and is also a resident practitioner uh, in ministry studies at Harvard Divinity School. Dr. Gloria, thanks for joining us today in this conversation about flourishing in ministry. Thank you so much for having me, David. Sounds like you've had some rich conversations over the, at least the last year or two. We're learning a lot and are looking forward uh, to your contribution uh, to our ongoing uh, explorations about what it means to flourish in ministry. So our, our um, 50 pastors or so who've been working together in this uh, pilgrimage has been operating with the assumption that every round does not go higher and higher uh, in terms of flourishing and that we have to strive in order to thrive or flourish. Sometimes we talk about flourishing like a tree where there may be an new leaves or full blooms or sometimes leaves are falling and even times where there are bare limbs but still the tree is flourishing can you talk to us a bit about what flourishing in ministry looks like from your perspective yeah well it's a it's an interesting question that we of significance my husband and i actually started our congregation now 30 plus years ago in our dining room and uh, with five of us and, and, and we've grown over the years. So, but this question of flourishing is really, has been important because we were not that congregation that blew up quick and in a hurry. Um, we, were, we were that congregation that for the first two years, I would fast all day Saturday, hoping that somebody would come and, um, uh, and obviously over the years people came. But I, 
I've come to appreciate that, uh, again, even though you might not see much happening uh, up top and there, there may not be lots of leaves and lots of things happening, that, uh, uh, that the roots can be strong. You have a very interesting journey um, that is a part of your pastoral ministry um, that includes years as a physician, your medical doctor. Do you ever think about flourishing in ministry in relationship to the way that physicians think about flourishing with the human body? Or maybe if you haven't, could you, does something come to your mind when you think about uh, the human body flourishing and uh, people flourishing in ministry? Wow, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I've certainly thought about flourishing in the context of just as you describe plants, trees. Um, gosh, the, the, the complexities of the body flourishing, and maybe I can think about it from the perspective of kids. And as you know, I'm a pediatrician. So one of the reasons that I have loved being in pediatrics is because I get to, I get to watch children grow and become who they're called to become. And not only the children, but I get to see their parents. And, and, and so everybody really growing and finding out who they are and becoming who they are. And, um, and, and that's very much the, what I see in the context of, of an individual. And to the extent that that church becomes their family, that, that, that same kind of thing with regard to the, the family, that there's a, a, there's the, there's a sense in which um, acquainting the, the, the family and the individual with the, the important ingredients, right? The, the importance of having families and, and support people in place, the importance of providing for them, for their physical needs, their emotional, their spiritual needs and, and pouring into that child and seeing that child again, have a sense of who, who they are as an individual and who they are in the context of the community and grow up and be whoever it is they're called to be and do whatever it is they're called to do. And that definitely is my heart's delight as a, as a physician. And it's, it translates similarly in terms of my delight as a pastor. One of the things that I'm hearing, at least I'm interpreting you to say, is that uh, as a pediatrician, when you work with uh, your patients who are children, uh, that flourishing does not happen in isolation, but flourishing happens in relationship uh, to a larger system. So a family system, a system of environment. And so one of the things that we, when we talk about uh, flourishing in ministry, um, we talk about a formula for flourishing mm -hmm. that holds that if a pastor's leadership capacity plus their service context yields the ministry content, that there's a higher probability for flourishing. Yeah. And so I'd like uh, to ask you if you'd say something about the context, because as I, as I listen to the kind of the idea about an ecology 
that contributes to flourishing and whether it's a family ecology for your patients. Um, and sometimes we think, not sometimes, we do think about flourishing as pastors in an ecology, a system, a family, a community. So can you say something about how your context of service has informed your content of ministry? Sure. But I am going to go back, if you will allow me, to that metaphor of the child. Um, there is a, a syndrome in medicine that, we, that is sometimes referred to as maternal deprivation syndrome. And what it involves is that if there's a child who, for whatever reasons, is cut off from that kind of caring and support um, that, uh, that enables a child, that the child doesn't grow. So if you have a child who actually shuns physical interaction, holding uh, that uh, or, or nurturing on the part of a, another human, then that contributes to what we call failure to thrive. It's only when that child is in, is in, the, in contact, in, in physical contact uh, with someone who is is caring for them, providing for them, uh, that, that they actually begin to grow. And so you're absolutely right. It's a similar phenomenon in the context of, of the, the church. Um, with regard to the, the context, I mean, first of all, I, I know you also talk about capacity and what are the, the skills that I, uh, the capacity that I bring to this interaction. I think it's, it is super important to appreciate that I am, I come with a dual sense of calling. It is important to appreciate that I have a sense of, of two callings. Uh, it's, I am called fully as a physician and I'm called fully as a minister. And I would say one of the, the, um, the important contexts there is that um, uh, one of my mentors who I know you've also heard about is Cecilia Williams Bryant. Uh, she has certainly been the individual who's been most significant in terms of, of real, my, what I would consider the, the ministry calling. And she early on, uh, in, in really in the first few weeks of my being in medical school, which were also the, my first few weeks as a, a, a member in, a, in any church, um, so that I was learning how to be a physician at the same time I was learning how to be a a good Christian. And she helped me to understand that I was, um, that she said that as long as we understood that we weren't pursuing a career in medicine, but answering a call to a ministry of healing, we would be able to flow fully in the giftings that God has given us. That understanding absolutely undergirds it is the thread that frames all of what I do and, um, and the place where it ends up making sense. So that very much is the context for what I do. There are individual kind of uh, focuses within that. I, I certainly have a sense of being called to, uh, to support families uh, in particular children and how they function in families parents and how they support their, their children in the context of families, a critical piece of the work that I do. And then the other critical piece of work that I do um, is with regard to women. I have a very keen sense of being called to, uh, to ensure that women see their calling, 
understand that God calls them uniquely to a particular work and there are no limits on what that calling is. And, um, and then to support them in terms of equipping, equipping them with whatever gifts they need and then walking with them as they're fulfilling those needs. So those are the particular buckets of work that I have in terms of, um, of ministry. Obviously I do other things as well, but those are the, the, I would say my assignments in the context of what God has called me to do. So uh, you and your husband have been uh, co-pastoring in the Boston area for three decades. Can you give us an example of what it has meant being a pastor in that kind of context that has called forth some particular kind of ministry engagement? It's important to, in our context, to appreciate that there are two of us and that we are, we serve, um, our congregation sees us fully as their pastoral team. My husband has done the bulk of that pastoring work, kind of like the, especially the more administrative pieces of that work, even as I have also been involved in the other ministry of, um, of medicine. We have understood the importance of engaging in what people often reference as social justice work. So uh, people, uh, that is probably one of um, Bethel's um, signature uh, designations is that we are a congregation that is committed to social justice work. A word to our listeners, Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world. We collaborate with indigenously-led communities to bear good and faithful witness to Christ Jesus through ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment, and advocacy in Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, Europe, North America, Oceania, and South America. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. You too can help to extend the Christian witness throughout the world. Visit us at lotcary.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for praying for and investing in the good news globally through word and deed. Welcome back to the Lot Carey Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the Learning Coordinator of Lot Carey's Thriving in Ministry Program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Dr. Gloria White Hammond, 
So somebody's listening today, and uh, you know they may have heard you, heard you, or uh, on to preach or teach or seen you um, do lectures, and they say, "Wow, Dr. Gloria, uh, she has a theological degree. She has a medical degree. She's been a co-pastor. She's a pediatrician. She's led an international nonprofit, and I can never." do that but i know leaders i've known leaders long enough to know that no matter how many gifts uh they've been blessed to sharpen at a particular time they weren't always where they are today so could you share with us uh an area of leadership that you had to develop in your uh, leadership capacity. Uh, and how'd you go about doing that? Yeah, and I think that's important to, to reflect on. I'm, um, I'm an old woman. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 70 now. So, that, so when people go to think, gee, it seems like she's done some, I've been, I've been around for a couple of minutes now. And I think that's really important in the, and what is, it's people just have to you just have to know you're being faithful to what God is calling you to do today and not making any comparisons to anybody else am I doing what God has said for me to do today uh, and it, you, you live each day at a time being faithful and then you get to wherever you have to go I'd say the the biggest challenges has been um, sort of my own internal work. Uh, I, I struggle with insecurities. I wonder whether I'm getting it right. There are times when I'm, I find myself being anxious and worried about many things. And, uh, and, and I am also a big believer in therapy. Yes, therapy. Uh, and really uh, grateful for the the therapists who have um, have been supportive in my life. And uh, and again, I we are as a congregation. That's that's another um, uh, ministry uh, gift that we think people should uh, should avail themselves of. So I've appreciated the the, the people in my life who provided. Uh, professional support around some of my own needs. I've, I've, I have been a victim of, of trauma. I've been very public about that as a, as a child, a, a, a victim of, um, of childhood sexual abuse. And again, I, it's not something that I, it's not like I, I, I go all around, but I, but I certainly talk about that uh, and uh, have, that's been another critical piece of work with regard to our congregation is supporting individuals who have experienced uh, sexual victimization at any stage, uh, at any age and providing resources uh, both uh, outside of the congregation and being very sure that ours is a congregation that, um, that, is, that really creates a culture where it's understood that sexual victimization, we don't do that up in here and holding people accountable around well, what that experience has been like. But again, uh, I struggle. I struggle like lots of people struggle and having the support of therapists 
having the support of a, of a wonderful husband. My husband and I have struggled as a couple. We are, uh, we again have been very public about that. People often look at our relationship and they just think, oh, this must have been made in heaven. Uh, it doesn't work like that. It, 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 takes, um, it takes work. And we've appreciated, again, having input from other individuals. Um, we have great relationships, uh, a couple with whom we've been in relationship for 40 years. Every Sunday, we have conversations where we hold each other accountable around um, issues with regard to our personal and our marriage life. And then also with our congregations, we, are, we also uh, pastor congregation. So whatever, it, to the extent that it looks like it's all well put together, it um, it very much is undergirded, A, by a deep relationship and uh, ongoing relationship with the Lord, uh, accountability around our personal relationships, and uh, obviously a deep commitment to our congregation and, a, and, and the expectation that our congregation will also hold us in prayer, but also hold us accountable around the uh, around the the lives that we live our own work uh, work life balance etc so we're very grateful to um, to an amazing congregation that has loved us into being what we hope are good pastors among the things I'm hearing you say is that in order to thrive in ministry you've had to strive and so our um, our methodology is to talk about pilgrimages of striving and thriving because we see them as being held together, either in tandem or in tension or in some kind of complementary way. Uh, but it's, it sounds like uh, where the Lord has brought you in terms of positions of leadership and opportunities of service and impact in your congregation and beyond, it sounds like it has required some diligence and discipline and doing the work. Am I hearing you right? Absolutely. Diligence and discipline and doing the work and, um, and trying not to shy away from it. And again, I think that's where those accountability relationships have been important. And I'm, I'm grateful that we have people in our lives who can speak into our lives and, um, and can, again, hold us accountable around the, the, the regular prayer partners. And we've been talking, praying with the same prayer partner now for about 15 years and, uh, and, and, so that's part of the discipline and, and, uh, and again, the accountability. But yeah, that's all part of the striving. I want to ask you to unpack just a little more of what, it, what you mean when you say accountability. And the reason I ask that is there are some times some pastoral leaders will say, I'm accountable to God. And that's true, but they sometimes struggle with the idea of being accountable to other people. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us just a little more about wh what does accountability mean? For me, uh, and again, I have a number of accountability relationships. Uh, accountability means praying with me, again, around and for me, the, 
the, the mark is, am I being faithful to what I understand, we understand God has called me to do. And, and, and that's obviously that's with regard to deeds, but it's also with regard to the, to the being the kind, the way I am. Um, and uh, again, I, I, unlike other people, I, like, I, I, like I said, I struggle with, with security, sometimes being confident that this is the thing, that I can do this, is this making any sense? Uh, and being able to, to have someone saying, okay, you're, you're obsessing over that. You're spending too much time on that. Uh, let's talk about that. Let's 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 unpack that. Let's, what are we going to do to kind of pull ourselves back from that? My husband can do that in in certain ways. Uh, I have an assistant who that's a that's part of our relationship. I have friends with whom we have covenanted as a couple. Uh, they do that. I'd say to a large extent too. Now that my girls are older and we have two adult daughters. They have been part of that team as well to be able to see things in me. And I give people permission. If you see something, say something. <laughs> Let's <laughs> that, 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 tell me what you see. And uh, and and they're in the context of loving me and having permission to speak to me will reflect back to me what they see. Uh, uh, sometimes it's just like you got this. It's like you, you got you got this girl or sometimes it's giving me constructive feedback around how, how might you have done this differently? And, um, and that has just absolutely been critical. So those are, yes, there's this, this, this accountability to God, and then there's accountability to God by way of people with skin on, right? And so it's the, it's the I, people that God identifies with skin on who can, who can also speak to me. What you have described sounds so healthy, but to some, it will sound pretty scary because in order to have accountability relationships, similar to what you have described, it requires a tremendous amount of transparency, mm -hmm and even vulnerability. Um, can you say something to someone about who says, you know, I, I, I wanna be the best I can be, but I, I'm, I'm afraid to be that transparent or that vulnerable. Yeah, and I, I absolutely understand that. Um, at, and so I would say if, if that, um, it becomes first of all a matter of prayer, and and really in a in a sense, being open. Again, God, uh, who might that be? Um, and um, uh, and and again, it 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 can it could be somebody that you pay, <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, of whether that's a therapist, a spiritual director. A coach, um, it it can it could be that person who comes to know you and and is committed to seeing you be your best you and thinking about who that is. Uh, in my earliest interactions, it was people, uh, people who God sent, 
and who were secure in themselves and demonstrated that security in themselves, um, and who uh, a sense of health themselves, them, uh, who were willing to hear back. And so oftentimes that is reciprocal, right? So even as, uh, and, and so just really praying for God to, to help you identify who that person might be and, uh, and then and taking the risk. And I absolutely understand that there becomes a risk and, there, and for us a give and take. Uh, but I, like I said, I, I, I trust that, that there are people out there for you and uh, who are willing to walk with you through that journey and be that sounding board and that cheerleader and that reality checker. What brings you the most joy as a pastor? Having people come to Christ and, um, and beginning to experience the power of the love of Christ and being able to name that is not just a feel good experience, but just growing in relationship with someone who walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I am his own. And then seeing people get a vision of who they are in Christ um, and what it is that the, the good, the bad, the ugly, but seeing themselves reflected in Christ and then uh, becoming, um, uh, seeing themselves, their giftings, their calling and, and coming into that place. That's what brings me joy. What is the best advice that you received about pastoral leadership? I would say the best advice that I've received with regard to pastoral leadership is the freedom to be who I am and to do what I feel called to do. And I'm grateful for, again, in, our, in my context, being in relationship with a husband who has, who has, who has, has appreciated my giftings, has never tried to put me into places that I didn't have to go, never tried to, to fit me into a particular kind of paradigm but who has celebrated me in being who I am called to be and, um, and, and then enabled me to operate in those giftings. So I'd say, figure out who you are, really what you've said, now, know what you bring, what's the capacity, who are you, what are your callings, um, be clear about the context in which you're called to serve um, and, and, Part of that has been for me a church. Part of that has been for me a my practice and very much affirming of bivocational pastors, and um, and then watching the content emerge from uh, from what I bring and where I serve, and um, seeing the content being so nurturing and fulfilling not obviously not just for me, but for those I'm called to serve and having, having it overflow into a much bigger community. 
we have people from around the world who will be listening to you. And uh, do you have a word of advice for somebody else? I th- the first thing is to know God and make sure, be in a solid relationship with God. Treat people well. And most people, the biggest struggle in life is being really being seen and knowing that they matter, knowing that they count. And so much of the the poor behavior, so much of what we see is people just striving to to be seen and know that they count. And I think it's important to, like I said, treat people well, figure out who they are, just see them, honor them, whether it's over an extended period of time that you're with them, or even if it's just a chance encounter, just be nice. <laughs> like your mother said, be nice, be nice to people. And, uh, um, and so between finding yourself really growing the relationship with God, um, making the power of God's love, it, helping people to experience that, whether it's in a focused way in terms of pastoring or in a transient way in terms of just meeting them and seeing them. Um, and that again that 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 will make god smile dr gloria white hammond thank you so much for sharing time and conversation and wisdom with us today well thank you so much and um, i i don't know who's going to be listening in but i've already prayed over whoever is listening in just know you count, you matter, and I can't see you, but I see you. And even more than that, God sees you. Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen online at lotcarry.org.